Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to be here. Let me just talk with you for a moment. I can't hear myself at all, so. So, okay, so it's not just me, so, okay. So I'll just wait uh, for it to come, but are we coming on now? Beautiful. Just want to say from my wife and I, thank you from the deep of our heart for the expression of love that came from this assembly toward us and me. Uh, When I got wind of what had happened, I just sat on my couch and I wept like a, a little boy with gratitude and gratefulness of heart. Just so thankful for the expression of love. So how does one say thank you other than to say thank you? Thank you from the deep of my heart, from our heart. We're grateful to God. Yep, we've come through uh, the eye of the needle and walked through some uh, difficult times. And uh, everything was good in the procedure. It was just the infections that uh, kept uh, annihilating me. I had never been catheterized. 19 days of that, that's enough for anybody and their pet dog. Let me tell you that. Hello, Dolly. Some people came to the front door to say hi to me, and they said to me, we've never ever seen you in a house coat. I said, I don't see me in a house coat either. We've never seen you in track pants. I said, I've never seen me in track pants either. So I was, uh, one, th- one positive thing through this whole thing is the nurse that I had. Yeah. Yeah. I had a live-in nurse with me. That's right. She stayed right with me from day one all the way through. I had to send her back to work because she was charging me per shift. (laughs) So it's one thing to pay someone for eight hours, but when you pay them for 16 double time and 24 triple time, you kind of go broke pretty quickly, right? And uh, gratitude for my wife and her care and her love and everything. And she took her 50 years of nursing and I became the recipient of all that care and love and etc. And she told me that I was an A-plus patient. Is that true? Anyways, I'm grateful to God to be on the other side of it. I'm gaining strength every day, I believe, and stamina and things like that. Um, so... It's excellent to be here and to be with you. Uh, While I was standing in worship this morning, I kept here this scripture. Is everything okay here with the sound? I don't want to mess things up, so just let me know, okay? Because sounds awfully echoey right now. So, do you want me to use a hand mic, uh, Kevin? Shut this thing off. <clears throat> I can do that. Sure. Excuse me, just one moment. We'll move this aside. Where was I? Can anybody remember where I was? Oh, yeah. Standing right over here. Listen to this scripture that kept pouring through my heart. It's like the Spirit of God was just announcing it on a blowhorn in my spirit. First John 3, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called 
the sons of God and the children of God. Can you imagine? So I just opened up my Bible because I've got enough scripture memorized that the Holy Spirit can do that. He can bring stuff because I put it into my spirit, man. And I read it here. Listen to this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. You're talking about extravagance, Kevin? Yeah. On us that we should be called the children of God. <laughs> and that is what we are. You read it there. It's right in your Bible. I'm not, I'm not making it up. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. So beginning today, we're, we're launching somewhere. I think my computer is somewhere. I'm not sure how it all works here, but is it up there? Should be there. There we go. I'm just picking up on the theme that you've been walking as a church, and that's living as sons and daughters of God. And the key word and the operative word here is living. And uh, most of us, when we begin to think of inheritance and all that kind of stuff, we're thinking about then. And as a pastor, being working with people and working with death and working with burial, working in funeral home after funeral home and watching children in this life squabble over the inheritance and watch division and all kinds of division happen when it comes to the dividing of the spoils and arguing over something they've never worked for. They've never labored for. It's not really theirs, though it is theirs. But it's the way that we go about positioning ourselves to live in the inheritance now, await an inheritance then. Can you imagine the collision in eternity when the inheritance that we live in now meets the inheritance that we have laid up for us? Can you imagine just for a couple of moments what it's going to be like? in the kingdom of heaven to come. But we have the privilege right now of living out the kingdom right here on the, this thing called planet Earth. So this thing was shouting in my spirit while you're leading in worship, Derek. Behold, excuse me, but I was like, behold. Anybody got that this morning? What manner of love the Father has lavished on us as the children of God. Maybe we didn't get that this morning. Could we all take it our right, in, right index finger? Okay, are you ready? Come on, your time to preach. I need to behold. One, two, three. Behold. Oh, that's pretty good for the first time. You're training them up pretty good, Mark, or, or Kevin. Anyway, let's try that together. Everybody. Behold. To get our attention. For those of us who do not understand the incredible love of God for us, it's off the charts, really. And he wants us to comprehend the height of his love, the depth of his love, the width of his love, and the breadth of his love which passes knowledge. That's not too shabby, is it? Can we say behold together? No, right index finger, your time to preach. Are you ready? Come on, Tom, help me out. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me. Can we... That, thank you very much. Can we say that together? Put yourself in there. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me. Unconditional love. Perfect love. 
that drives out all fear, that drives out all anxiety. That's the kind of love that he has for us, and that's the kind of love if we've received him. We have that ability to love the way he loves. I've been working on fathering in the kingdom in new dimensions this year, seeking to understand as a father in the natural how I can live out the father's love right here and now so that people can experience the love of the father through a son who loves the father. Should I say that one more time? To experience the love of the Father in my life so that I can love the way He loves. Many hear about the Father heart of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means at some point in our life that we so receive the love of the Father that we can give away the love of the Father. Let me try that one more time. Is this helping anybody? Just one person. No one yet, okay. So, Lord, you've got to help me this morning. You've got to help me. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons and daughters of God. And maybe we could say this statement together. Could we try this together? And that is what we are. And that is what we are. Isn't there a song that we sing? And that is who we are, right? That is what we are. Let's go to a portion of Scripture this morning that's found in um, the book of Romans, chapter uh, 8 and verse number 14. For those who are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves or orphans so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit that you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Can we say, Abba, Father? Can we say, Papa, God? And that is who he is. You know, when you begin to realize that the term father is found uh, 13 times in the Old Testament, but it's found 150 times in the New Testament. So we realize that an understanding and a comprehension of the father is so absolutely important. And Jesus referred to him as his father at least 50 times. That's not too shabby. So that meant that he was a son. To the Father, and the express image of that same Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Can we say heirs? Can we say heirs of God? Okay, now he brings us into this incredible partnership and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Can we say joint heirs? Think about that. I'm an heir of God. And now by my position in Christ, I've moved into being a joint heir with His Son, Jesus Christ. Think, let's think that through just for a moment. May the Spirit of the Lord ride upon these words and may it go right into the solar plexus of our spirit. Here's what the Scripture says. Now if we are children, we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, growing up in the church, as I did, that was always something that was to come. It was a way off, way off then. When I began to understand the kingdom, 
and to realize that the kingdom is both now and not yet, that the kingdom of God is within me now, and I'm going to a kingdom that is prepared. Can you imagine when there's a collision of kingdom, the kingdom within me and the kingdom that I'm on my way towards? Now, most of us do not understand kingdom because we live in a democracy. But in a couple of months, we're going to have King George on our toonie and our loony. And it was going to replace the queen. The, the thing of it is, is we do not understand what it means to live in royalty. The moment that we are declared to be an heir of God, that means we're in his family. And we literally, according to the scripture, says to us that we're co-heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. Then it qualifies it. If indeed, if we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. The good news that I believe that God has for every one of us is that we are sons and daughters of God and we have been adopted into his family and I'm a part of the, the eternal family of God. How many are glad that you're a part of that eternal family? Isn't it something that people just decide to walk away from that eternal family? Could you imagine how many people would be a part just of this local church if everyone who came here and received Christ still remained? How many services would you have? A lot of services. And same with many churches across the land. That's why the, God said he's married to the backslider. There are so many people that have known God, walked with him, in sonship with him, Something's come up, a root of bitterness, an offense, a resentment, and they've just walked away from everything. They've walked from the scriptures, they've walked from the people of God, they've walked from the house of God, they've walked from their, their journey with the Lord and just gone right back. Now, if anybody here this morning, you're in that condition, you don't need to remain there. You can just say, I'm going to receive again the love of the Father that will cleanse me from all of my sin and he will embrace me in his arms with his incredible love. That's, that's good news this morning. And uh, I remember uh, taking time to, uh, to spend four months uh, in a series of preaching on the restoration of those that have once walked with God who are not walking with God. Maybe some here this morning, you were once hot for God. You once had the zeal of the Lord burning in your spirit, man. But in your journey of faith, you've cooled off or cooled down. Maybe some things we've done has quenched the Spirit's fire in our life. I don't know. But we have an opportunity today in this series on living as sons and daughters in his, of the King. We have an opportunity literally to embrace His incredible unfathomable love for every one of us as the people of God. I'm so glad that I'm an heir. Do you know what being a son in the kingdom does for me? Would anybody like to know? I'm secure. There is a security in sonship that if you have not experienced, I would like to introduce him to you this morning. Because my life can, my life is hid with Christ in God. You can't get it more secure than that. And that security, when we know that we are unconditionally loved, that security comes from his person into my being, and I am now living in that secure position as an heir 
of God and a joint heir with his son, Jesus Christ. And he won battle in this room with insecurity. Let me just say to you today, your solution is found in a more intimate relationship with Jesus and a belief in the word of God that I am a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And then we start living from that position. Can anybody say amen or hallelujah or something like that? And we, we start living from that place. It changes everything in our life. I, I travel the world because I turn the world, word insecurity around, and I, I have this whole thing that I do on building secure leaders. Because leaders in the house of God are some of the most insecure people that there is in the church. And if we as leaders are insecure, what are we delivering to the body of Christ? Nothing more than the spirit of insecurity. But if we walk in that secure place with God, knowing that we are loved, He loves us, I love Him, I love you, you love me, can you imagine the security in the house of God? The house of God is to be a safe place, and it happens when we are all literally living as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let me take you to a, a, a story in the Scripture. Let's read it together. It's on the inheritance factor. Jesus uh, continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me a share of my inheritance or the estate. So he divided his property between his boys on the same day. Imagine, I'd never even think about going to my dad and asking for my inheritance. Anybody else like that? Because I realize that it's my father's. It's not mine. It belongs to dad and mom, if they're together, working together. Anything that comes as an inheritance is absolute privilege to me. It's a privileged thing. So I've seen so much nonsense around this in the journey of faith and walking with the people of God. I said, my Lord, I can't live that way. So here's two guys that they talk to their dad and the one son. He says, uh, give me my share. That's kind of bold, don't you think? Give me my share of the estate. My rights, right? He forgot the privilege part. So he divided the property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth. I like that term, his wealth. It was his father's, but his father's separated it to him. And he squandered all the wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So in other words, he took the inheritance and he squandered the inheritance that the father had worked for, labored for, and here it comes, sacrificed for. Greatest conflict in culture right now is a conflict between sacrifice and entitlement. And if we don't get a handle on entitlement, it will take us over. He felt entitled to that inheritance. But the kingdom of God and the love of Jesus Christ is built on a sacrificial system. And it's the greatest tension. It's a tension in the church. I called call Bible college leaders around the world and I said, are you, are you dealing with this amongst the training of your students coming out of your school? And they said, what's that, Ken? I said, are you, are, are you dealing with, with incredible entitlement in your colleges? He said, absolutely. We don't know what to do. 
We don't know what to do with the spirit of entitlement that has taken hold of an entire culture. Most of the things that we have in life have come through the spirit of sacrifice. People are willing to sacrifice so that somebody might have something else. You're talking about giving an offering to Jess this morning. Do you know what that is? That's a sacrificial love gift. You don't have to do it. Nobody has to do it. But it's sacrifice because we're part of this sacrificial system. Then what we do is we enter in as we have received his sacrifice. We become sacrificial givers. And it just becomes something beautiful in the life of the believer. He spent everything on the whole country. He began to be in need. And what else? He went out and hired himself out to a citizen. Let's say that he went out and hired himself out. Let's do that together. He hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Now, has anybody here ever had the privilege of slopping pigs? Anybody any, been within 20 kilometers of a pig farm? You probably smelt it the 20 kilometer ways of that. Not I had the privilege of slopping pigs and chickens and turkeys. They're the worst, you know, and all those kinds of things. But I, I, I put myself into this picture. I put myself being a son who has got this incredible inheritance. He didn't go out and invest it. He went out and he wasted could there be anyone in this room that were wasting the Father's inheritance in us? Could there be any of us that are there? So anyways, it continues on. He goes out to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the, with the husks that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So one day I was speaking in a, a school, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? He said, I want you to speak on the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son, whatever you want to call it. So I prepared myself to do that. And when I was getting ready to deliver the message, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go to the grocery store and I want you to buy a couple of ears of corn. So I said, okay, Lord. So I went to the grocery store. I didn't know what he was up to. So I bought a couple of ears of corn and I took them with me. I put them in my briefcase and I went uh, to prepare myself, and then when I was sitting down there like this morning, he said, now what I want you to do, he said, I want you, when you come to this portion in the Scripture, I want you to take out those two cobs of corn, and I want you to peel them right in, or husk them right in front of the, the students. So I did that. Of course, I had the students' attention right there because what's going to happen here? So I, I peeled it off, and I, how many have husked a few uh, pieces of corn? How many have had any struggle with those creepy hairs that are in that corn. Hey, who likes to have a hair in your cob of corn? Anybody? Yeah, that's, oh, you know what I mean? And say, you got to get that off. So anyways, what I did is I peeled it off and I took the corn and I put it inside the pulpit and I began to eat the husks and the hair. Because I could have had the corn. I could have had the corn. Hey, there's corn in his kingdom. Peaches and cream. They grow good in Prince Edward County because I ate lots of it when I was here. We had corn boils every year. But there's corn in the kingdom. Can you say there's corn in the kingdom? There was corn back at home. But he squandered everything. And he got to the place that he would have eaten the husk, but there wasn't any to eat. So he was really in a pickle. Let's go on on this uh, 
story. When he came to his senses, can we say that? When he came to his senses. And that's what has to happen to anybody that's wandering this morning in this room. We have to come to our senses. And usually it's outside conflict or downturn in things that causes us to be more uh, pliable in the, in the hand of God and for him to work in our hearts by his spirit. It says, he came to his senses that how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And I am here starving to death, waking up to the reality of what he had left. He said, I'll set up and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Oh, that's interesting. That's a dual place of repentance. When we come to our sentence, we come to our senses, we say, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against my father. And repentance comes and literally transforms me as the repentance is happening. He said, verse number 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh my. He disqualified himself from being a son to that father. Interesting posture that he took. He realized that he had squandered, wasted all the inheritance. He says, he says, this is his question. This thing, he said, I'm a son, but make me as a hired servant. You know, the church in North America has been built on servanthood. Until the shift comes that the house of God is built on sonship, we're missing the mark by many miles. Sonship comes before servanthood. I said to the Lord one day, aren't they in the wrong order? He said, no, son, all of my serving as the son to the father came out from my sonship. So people have this, you know, desire to serve, 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 and we need to serve in the house of God. We need to serve in our community. We need to do that, but we need to serve from a position of security. And you know what happens? Then my yes can be yes and my no can be no. Because I'm able to say no to the things I'm not supposed to do and yes to the things I'm supposed to do and step right into the center of my gift mix and literally be a, a, a son that's a shining servant in his kingdom. He says, well, I just want you to say, uh, uh, Dad, can you imagine? He probably came in like, oh, you know, Dad, uh, you know. Just, make, just make, make me as one of your servants. No confidence. He had confidence in asking for his inheritance. He wasted it when he's coming back. He's not, not necessarily jumping. He's crawling. So the, the thing of it is, is some people, this is about the prodigal son or is it about the prodigal father? How you, however you want to see it. So he went up and he went to his father while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Anybody get that picture this morning? Okay, come on, Mark, get up there. You're the prodigal this morning. You're the prodigal. You want oh, you be the father. Okay. I'm the prodigal and, I, and I'm, I'm coming. Come on. I'm coming. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> You'd think, Mike, we'd rehearse that, right? Anyone here that you're in that place today, Father's here, is waiting for us. 
to return to him. Not with a half a heart. Just give it all. Play the song only Jesus seven times a day for the next 30 days and see what happens. Help me out. Do you know the song only Jesus? Seven times a day for 30 days. Can you imagine? And when that, that beautiful black girl begins to sing the song about surrender, I go, oh, I never knew surrender till I met you. And I'm, I'm melting into his hand. Yeah, that's how you became my dad. I surrendered to you, and you loved me unconditionally, and it's never stopped. It's just this continual love of the Father that keeps pouring in us so he can pour through us to such a broken generation. The need for spiritual fathers and mothers is at an all-time high in present culture. Adoption, foster parenting, loving people, whatever we can do to expand the kingdom of God through the demonstrative love that is flowing through us because we're in love with the Father, the Father's in love with us, and we're to spread His love wherever we go. And His Father's song, my goodness, filled with compassion. Oh, I love those kisses. They're marked on both sides. Beautiful. Threw His arms around Him. Let's keep reading. And the Son said to Him, Father, I have sinned. He had his notes all prepared ahead of time, but now he's living out the script. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on and bring the ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fat, fattened calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and let's celebrate. Why? Because my son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Has anybody got an imagination in this room? Shut your eyes and give a picture of that, right? Picture yourselves being the dad. Sees his son that's been away. He's been probably waiting for him every day, right? Looking for him every day. I hope that my son returns home. I hope that my daughter returns. Anybody hoping for that in this room? Who's hoping for your children to return? Who's hoping for a wife or a husband or a father to return? Well, keep your arms wide open and look every day. <laughs> and then what happens when they come? Let me tell you when they come. You kill the fatted calf, right? You break out whatever you need to break out. You celebrate, you do whatever. With times of, I, I, I don't know about you, but I haven't, I haven't touched the message on the prodigal son for many, many years. But in coming here, I felt Holy Spirit say uh, a number of weeks ago when Kevin texted me the direction that you were going. And I said, well, Lord, how can I serve the agenda in this house? So I'm trying to do that this morning. Hopefully this is helpful. Your brother has come, verse 27, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he had him safe, back safe and sound. And the older brother, uh-oh, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father and he said, the son in the house now, S-O-T-H. All these years I've been slaving for you. Get that? The son, but he's been slaving for you. Son in position, but orphan in disposition. Not living out the privileges that are ours as a part of the family of God. It's the same as being a part of this church family. There are privileges to being a part of here when you allow the Holy Spirit to place you in this house. And we grow and we develop. So it keeps on going here, 
And it says, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You've never had kids like that. You gave that to him. You never give anything to me. No. Yeah, Bobby, he gets everything. But, you know, I don't really get anything. Come on, it's the spirit of the elder brother. A prophet in Montreal shared with one of our pastors in Calgary, until the spirit of the elder brother is broken in the house of God, we cannot get what we're believing for. And if there's any of the elder brother spirit in this room, let it be identified and dealt with this morning. In Jesus' name. Say, how's that? Well, it's the same love for the prodigal as it is for the one that's living in the house and doesn't realize that they're sons and daughters of the Most High. And he said, my, my son, the father, said, you are always with me, <laughs> and everything I have is yours. Can we say that together? My son, the father, said, together, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. Can somebody say, that's good news? Who can say, that's good news? I was speaking in northern British Columbia, up, uh, up, uh, up in the northern part, Campbell River, and we took, a, we took a ferry over to an island, and I, was, I did a number of retreats on this island. I don't know what the island's name is. But we were doing there, and I was trying to help the people, the leaders over there, talk about living as sons in the kingdom of God. This is probably back in the mid-90s. And I'm trying to help them, and I got a, a whiteboard here, and I love whiteboards, and I love to t teach and preach with a whiteboard so I can scribe things as I'm going and stuff like that. And so what, I, what I'm doing is I, I came to this ne next picture, and uh, maybe we could just have that on the screen if we could. I put the term higher on the whiteboard. And when I put the term higher on the whiteboard, minds began to work within the group that was there. I want us to understand that in Father's kingdom, there is a difference between being hired and being an heir. And we have choices to be made because if we're going to ever see the kingdom of God, there no one has ever been hired into his kingdom. Can we say that together? No one has ever been hired into his kingdom. We gain entrance through adoption and we are placed in his family. And guess what? We did not choose him, but he chose us. Do you want to tell me why I feel so cotton-picking special? Anybody feel as special as I feel this morning? Come on, say, I've been handpicked by God himself. <laughs> Yeehaw! And so, as you know, we see all of this, you know, all over our, you know, come on in, we're hiring. Hiring. Hire me. You see, you can be hired, you can be... Thank you very much. And that is a part of what we as a kingdom of God, we live in every day, but the moment that we start living a kingdom life, our language changes. The way we operate changes. We start living kingdom life and, and living in a democracy, but as kingdom people. 
So in the workplace, it's one thing, but when we walk with the family of God, we walk as sons and daughters of the Most High God, as king's children. Is that not true? So as I, as I look at this, I, I put this down here. Looking for a position as, kingdom, as a kingdom employee by offering our resume. Is that how we operate? Or are we submitted to his desire to be placed in his body as a son of his? So I, thinking about that, realize that, see, we don't talk a lot about the call of God. We are, everyone here that's walking in the light has been called out of darkness. At some point, you heard your name. Evan. Jim. Bob. Isaiah. Susan. At some point, your name was called. We were called out of darkness into his light. How many are glad that you've been called out of darkness into, the scripture says, the marvelous light of the gospel? Isn't that awesome? So then what he wants to do is when we called out of darkness into light, now he wants us to accept a call into the kingdom to be his sons and daughters and walk in that kind of security and maturity. As we work on this, I was up back on my island experience I'm talking to you about. I was up there on the, and I put the word higher on the board. When I put the word higher on the board, all of a sudden the word began to work in some people's minds. And I just think of this, if you shift one letter, everything changes. All you have to do is shift one letter. The same letters with a, a letter shift, the E moving back into its rightful place. And most of our ministry life and churches are built on a hiring mentality, not on airship and walking as sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's really close. It's really, really close. Just, can you say just one letter? Can you say just one letter? And that's why it eludes us because we're so addicted to being hired and fired. That's why the Lord led me out of that governmental system. So that those words are not a part of our vocabulary because you don't fire somebody from your family. We do as much as we can to restore family relationships. We work overtime and double time to do that. Sometimes we're not successful. And we have to give that to God and the results to God. But the beautiful thing is how are you and I operating this morning? Are we operating as hired people in his church or as heirs in his kingdom? Because everything changes when one letter changes. I didn't get this from a book. I got it from the Spirit of the Lord on a Vancouver Island about 20 years ago when I was trying to explain what is sonship. It's a literal shift in everything that we are from a hiring mentality right to a place. What is an heir? Well, there's some synonyms for being an heir. Number one is successor. Number two is inheritor. Number three is beneficiary. Number four is a descendant. There are all kinds of things that you can get a hold of when we need to understand what it means to be an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. We are partners in the kingdom already. Is that not true? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So that all that he has is ours and all that we are, are is to be his. So I can believe him and he can do anything he wants to do with me. Send me anywhere he wants to go. He can do all those things. Is this helping anybody this morning? 
I was with uh, Kevin. I was with Kevin and Barry and Carlos, and we were riding in a truck in Managua a number of years ago. There was three in the front, somebody sitting on the stick shift, and uh, I forget who the other person was, maybe Louisa, I'm not sure. And we were sitting there, and so they, I get, lots of times when I get cloistered like that, I get questions fired at me. You know nothing about that, Kevin, when you go down to the U.S. with a group of guys, right? They just fire questions. And they said, Ken, could you tell us what you see as the major difference between the 20, 20th century church and the 21st century church? I said, oh, yeah, no problem with that. I said, how'd you get that so quickly? I said, well, the 21st century church has built, been built on success. We measure our success by our seeding capacity when he measures our success by our sending capacity as an apostolic center. It's not how many people do we have, it's how many people are we training, equipping, mobilizing, and sending to the Belvilles, to the nation, to the north, to the nation, 196 nations of the earth. If we're going to be apostolic, then we have to live apostolic. And Acts 1 and verse number 8 becomes the mantra of an apostolic center. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Belleville and in, and in Ontario and in Canada and 196 nations of the earth. That is the assignment of every son and daughter in this room. And you can't get around it. It's, it's in the scripture. And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, guess what? It's supposed to take us somewhere. Say, the Holy One that lives inside of me has been designed by the Father to be portable. And I take the portableized presence of the Holy Spirit everywhere I go. <laughs> Cheryl talks about when she's pregnant in her spirit that her, they meet her belly before they meet her. She's at work and before, before she gets around, her belly goes around the court because the Holy Spirit fills us so much that it's like we're continually pregnant. Sorry, I'm trying to do something that's not easy for me to do, you know. And, but, okay, but I was never intended, you know what I'm saying, like. But, but you know, my wife is so short. When she was pregnant, like, I had to get a crane and put it over a chair and hoist her up. <laughs> because she was so short. And where does it go with, on, on a tall woman? It just a little bump, you know what I mean? You never know for six months if they're pregnant. Not Cheryl, she's just like that. And so in, a, in, our, <laughs> in our spirit, man, literally, we are pregnant with Holy Ghost. People should meet that Holy One before they meet us. Because we carry His presence with us everywhere we go. Is that not true? We carry it. So when I look at being a beneficiary, so I said to the boys, and I said, the 21st century was that built on success. But the 21st century church will be built on succession. The raising of sons and daughters in the house of God to become spiritual fathers and mothers in a broken culture that desperately needs us as sons to mature and mature and mature and give ourselves to God as lovers of the community, as moms and dads in the kingdom, living out the kingdom. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons and the daughters of God. And everybody said, Amen.
I won't go on any further on that. Let's go to the next scripture I've got. I'm winding down. I'm at slide 11. I got two more with me here. Here it is in the scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13. It says to me, and you, Ken, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Here it comes. When you believe, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance now, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Can somebody say praise the Lord for that scripture? Can we, could we read this scripture together? Could we do it? Let's look up here. Let's read One, two, three. Let's read it. One more time. Now, read it like you're preaching it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Now, make this a declaration when it comes to, when it says you, you put me. Okay? Let's go. One, two, three. Go for it. Lead us. Speak it. How many are glad for the Word of God? Isn't that a beautiful scripture? I think somebody say, guarantee. Who likes warranties and guarantees in this room? Come on, get your hand up here. I'm glad Kevin got his hand up there first because he loves warranty. Who loves warranties? Who have had some squabbles over the years of your warranty not being, uh, okay, all right, we've gone through that. Here, can we say guarantee? Here it comes. Who is a deposit? Come on. Our inheritance. He wants us to live this way now. I'm almost done. Let me give you a picture of what I believe that is, is happening. I've been journeying this year trying to help people summon courage to follow God. We spend a lot of time on developing leaders, but how much time do we spend on developing followers? The original call words were not to lead, but to follow. So I've already carried about 30 messages on this theme this year because there is a call to the New Testament church and the nation of Canada to return to following the Scripture, following the Spirit, following leadership, all kinds of things. I can go down and delineate all these kinds of things. But the question for me as a son in his kingdom is how well am I following? We are very concerned as how well am I leading? Well, how about how well am I following? How close am I following? What's the proximity of my closeness in following the Lord Jesus? How close am I to him? Imagine if we had an equipping class here in Desert Stream and says, we're equipping class on following. I wonder how many would show up. They're the original call words. Many want to lead, but who wants to follow? 
power of followings all through the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. It's right there. So we came here, I, I'm just asking the Lord, what's the process of your kingdom to live as sons and daughters? Number one, I'm adopted to sonship. It comes through adoption. We read it in our first scripture. Second, then I am called to follow. Not only were the original call words given by Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, but he repeated them in John chapter 20 when Peter went fishing and he had to get back on track. And he, he said to them, remember now, follow me. So when Jesus died, what were they doing? They were following what Jesus had showed them to do. The next thing they did is in the process, they became disciples. From their discipleship, through the journey of the discipleship, he says, I don't call you guys any longer my servants. I call you my friends. Do you have an awareness in your journey with God that you've moved into that friendship space with God? Abraham was a friend of God. Many of us are friends with the world, but he said any man that's a friend of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's an invitation to friendship. How many have some good friends? What about walking as Jesus walked with his disciples? It was like a progress in their life. He was setting them up. They had to be adopted into his kingdom, accept the call to follow. They began disciplined followers of the Lord Jesus Christ as disciples. He then I said, I, I call you my friends. He talks about John 15. And then the next thing he said, you're going to get into Jerusalem. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're to become difference makers in the world. What is leadership? Leadership is making a difference in someone's life. And all of us can do that as sons and daughters of the king. Is that not true? Is anybody interested? The last slide is this. This is a slide. You want to take a picture of it? You're welcome to do that. But let me just go here. Let me just give you this. The difference between being a hired hand and an heir. I believe that maybe we could just read down the columns. How about we go down the left-hand column? Mark, will you help me? Will you start it? Your voice, everybody together. Next sign. I think we have an opportunity. I'll conclude with this biblical story. Paul was writing a letter to the church at Philippi. And when he did that, he was talking about his son, Timothy. And he made these words. He said these words. Timothy, my son, I have no one else like him. I was in Belleville 47 years ago. And I said to the Lord, I want to be that Timothy, that there's no one else like him. Do you understand what I'm, what I'm saying? There's times as we look into the scripture, like I longed to live a life like Caleb. I want to have Joseph's sterling quality. 
I want to have David's heart for worship. I go through all those. I want to be like Nathaniel, the man in whom there was no guile. So I submit myself to the scripture and say, would you help me to become that kind of a son? And when we come into alignment with the desires that are written in the scripture, then he begins to shape us. And we begin to become the son and the daughter of God that he wants us to become. And then we get to live from our inheritance. Not necessarily wait for our inheritance. Do you know what I mean? Come on now, somebody. Are you tracking with me today? Is this helping anybody? Is it? I was only had one in the first few minutes, but what about now? Is this helping? Any? Jim, Jim, is this helping you? <laughs> what else could he do? But I cornered him. He had to put his thumbs up. But he wants us to live in our sonship. No more immaturity. We got to say, I'm not living immature anymore. Hear carefully this conclusion. When I was a child, I thought like a child. And I spoke like a child. And I acted like a child. But now that I've become a man or a woman, I have put away childish things. Holy Spirit, put your finger on our childishness and bring us to maturity to walk as sons and daughters of God. The Hebrew writer says, let us go on to maturity. Anybody interested in going on in your journey with God and maturing in your walk? If that's you, just stand to your feet and lift your hands to God. Just lift them right up. Say, that's me. Lift them right up. Not because everyone else is standing, but I'm moving on to maturity in you. I'm moving forward. Spirit of God, by your word and by your spirit, would you bring us into new dimensions of spiritual maturity? And with this comes spiritual responsibility. Father, I ask this morning in this room, would you let the penny drop in our understanding? And this house be known as a house of kingdom sons and daughters. May the reputation of this house be a house that raises up mature, spirit-filled, God-loving, sons and daughters that will impact culture in every place that I place them. I pray over this house today that this house will not only be a house of light and a house of salt, but a bit, let it be a house that's filled with leaven. And may every person in this house where they are planted this week in the workplace, in the marketplace. May they recognize that they are the leaven of Christ to infiltrate culture with the maturity of Jesus Christ in our lives. I stretch my hands over you as the people of God. I speak a blessing. Father, would you continue to bless this house? Bless Kevin and Sherry. Bless their marriage and their ministry together as husbands and wives. Bless them today.
in Jesus' name. Bless their unity. Bless the leadership unity. Bless the unity amongst the sons. And I thank you, Father. Can we shout this out together? Let us, Let us. Go, on go on to maturity. maturity. I, accept the invitation. I accept the invitation. Now could you put your voice together, lift your hands to God, and just begin to praise him. Just go ahead. Just praise him. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, mighty Lord. Come on, church, lift your hands up to him this morning. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the truth that, Father, has been imparted to us this morning. That, Father, we are children of God. Father, we are loved. Father, we are adored. We have been invited, Lord, not just to into the kingdom, but around the family table. We've been invited in as sons. We've been invited in as daughters. We've been invited to sit with him, to rule and reign with him. Not just to escape a lost eternity, but to gain a life starting right now that is filled with his joy and with his presence. It's filled with not obligations, but opportunities. You see, when we, when we walk as a, a slave, we think of obligations. But when we live as a son or a daughter, we think of opportunities. And God has brought before every one of us here this morning opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And we get to choose what we will do with those opportunities. God's given an opportunity here this morning, and maybe you're here today and you've never actually said, Jesus, here I am. I, I, for the first time in my life, I believe that you died for me. And, and I want to surrender my life to you. And if that's you this morning, Mark, can you just come out up here and stand here at the front? I want you to come and see this guy this morning. He'd love to talk to you about starting a life and a journey with Jesus Christ. He'll walk you through the process. He'll pray with you. He, he, you know what? He's even going to give you a Bible. Do you know that? He'll do that. Yeah, I know. It's, we're just crazy around here doing that kind of thing. And, and he would love to, to bless you and to pray with you. And, and we want you to understand that when you do that, you're, you're, not, you're not joining a, a church or you're not joining a, a religious group. You're joining a family. We're the family of God. Every single one of us. Yeah, we're, we're strange in some ways. No doubt about it. None of us are perfect. But we're loved. Amen? And we know it. <laughs> so, Father, we thank you today for this amazing word. And we thank you, Lord, that, Father, you, by your Holy Spirit, spoken into our spirit that we are children of God. And, Father, so much of what has been uh, spoken here this morning, that, Lord, we, uh, I love uh, just moving that E. And, Lord, moving from being hired to being an heir. And, Father, that is who we are. And, Father, this morning we receive that. And Father, we rejoice in that, and we pledge that we will live from that. And Father, we thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now again, if you're here this morning, and you've never began that journey with Christ, come and talk to Mark this morning. He would love to pray with you and just bless you and encourage you in any way that he can. So I want you to just raise your hands today, hold them up to the heavens, and say, Father, thank you for adopting me. Amen.